0: What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Bermuda Championship. First off, I'm not in the normal studio getting some uh, work done on the roof. Lots of banging and drilling and loud noises, so I figured... Move across to another room. Try to get away from it. If you hear anything, I apologize. Try to keep the audio as good as possible. Uh, Also, hit the like button while you're here. I never ask you to do that, and it costs you nothing. So to me, it seems like a pretty fair trade. And uh, finally, I, I just need to rant here at the top. I hate it. I hate it when we get to weeks like this, and you see tweets like, oh, this field is so soft. It's so weak. Should I even play on DraftKings? Should I even make a bet? Ha, ha, ha. Like, Yeah, I get it. Somebody's going to win this golf tournament. Somebody is going to be the top DraftKings point scorer. There's going to be a six-person optimal lineup. And the cash that you can win betting this week or playing on DraftKings is just as green as it is uh, at Augusta National. So I just, I I don't, it's just a different problem to solve. And that really uh, grinds my gears when I hear things like that. Uh, Very unique golf course that we have here in Bermuda. Lots to talk about. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump right into it. Here we go. Port Royal Golf Club. Uh, This is, believe it or not, at 6,800 yards, par 71, The longest course on the island of Bermuda actually had to kind of be lengthened, made more difficult for the pros. But by PGA Tour standards, this is very, very short. The only course on the regular schedule that is uh, shorter than this is Pebble Beach. Uh, Now, with with the. um, the 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 distance or lack thereof, there is going to be an emphasis on shot shaping and playing out of the fairway. Some narrow greens, or excuse me, narrow fairways, you can get into uh, trouble if you are missing the fairway, which is why no surprise that in the first two editions of this event, the strongest correlated stats of success, driving accuracy. That's right. I mean, l- think about who the winners were, uh, Brian Gay and Brendan Todd. Uh, I-, I could not have hand chosen uh, two golfers to thrive on courses where accuracy is important uh, but distance while always important is not a prerequisite for success and of course this course uh, correlation model that you're seeing on rickrungood.com it takes into account more than just uh, the winners that would be a little bit silly it actually takes into account every single player in the field and still driving accuracy is the most strongly correlated stat to success here it doesn't mean it's the only way you can have success but it is the highest correlated stat um- also, there were, there were just so many winning tickets in the community last week for Hideki Matsuyama. So big congrats uh, to everyone who had a Hideki ticket. And I did want to point out Kevin Young, who sent me a very, very nice email. Um, he won the $35,000 flop shot. That was, uh, it's the smaller version of the flop shot. He won it for $10,000 and it was a single entry, which is always something I love to see. So congratulations to everybody with their Hideki tickets. Congratulations to Kevin, especially for uh, his his victory in the flop shot there so what i have on rickrungood.com is once we've done the statistical model uh, of of what is important at this course you can scroll down and you can see who should fit this course and to me there are a couple that that really stand out here i'm using the last 24 rounds you can use whatever you want uh the best course fit is mito Pereira. I will um, talk a lot about Mito. So I'll, I'll save that for when we get over to the cheat sheet. Uh, Guido Migliozzi is second, but he uh, only has eight rounds. Those eight rounds that he's played have been very, very good. But remember, he has a small sample size issue. And then here's a couple of names that round out the top five or six. It's Patrick Rogers, it's Seamus Power, it's Brian Stewart. We're going to talk a lot about Seamus Power, but Brian Stewart, I think we can also chat about here as well. There are probably only four or five courses in which uh, Brian Stewart is not at a significant advantage every year on the PGA Tour. It's basically Pebble Beach, uh, Port Royal, um, uh, Harbortown, and that might be it. It might be three courses. And this is a really good spot for him. You can see him. He's getting a huge boost because of that accuracy. He is one of, if not the most accurate golfers uh, off the tee on the PGA Tour, but he's very, very short. Most weeks, that really puts him beyond the eight ball. This week, it is actually uh, much more valuable for him to be playing out of the short grass as opposed to trying to bomb it with everybody else. So he gets a huge, huge bump here. Mark Hubbard, Hank biota as well, rounding out the top six or seven. So we'll talk about these guys, but keep in mind, this is the type of golfer that we are looking for as, um, as we go through this and as we transition over to the cheat sheet to see how the pricing has shaken out. Here's the cheat sheet, and if you're liking what you see on rickrungood.com, you can certainly subscribe, uh, or I have some uh, subscriptions to give away. So last week, the winners, Tom T. and Dylan uh, Kramer. I've gotten in touch with both of you already, so I'll get you set up with your account. If you want to enter a draw to win a subscription to rickrungood.com, very, very simple to do. You've already liked the video. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel and comment below with who you think is going to win the Bermuda championship. That's one way. The other way, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of this show. It's called 300 Yards to Unknown. It is linked in the description. That'll also get you entered into a draw uh, and leave your Twitter handle so I can get in touch with you if you go the Apple Podcasts route. Here we go. The pricing. uh, Five golfers over $10,000 here. Matt Fitzpatrick, Christian Bezaydenhout, Mito Pereira, Patrick Reed, and Seamus Power. There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Already, just just get yourself over the hurdle of paying $10,700 for Christian Bezaydenhout. Get over the hurdle of paying uh, $9,400 uh, for Adam Hadwin, right? These are uh, $3,000 more than we might normally pay for these guys. Take a second. We'll do it right now together. We never have to talk about it again if you just readjust your expectations right now. Okay, cool. I think I think we're ready to rock and roll here. A couple of of, of items that I think are noteworthy. Matt Fitzpatrick just won last week on the European Tour. Seventh, uh, seventh European Tour victory uh, has not won on the PGA Tour. Do I think this is a particularly good spot for him? Eh, Maybe, maybe not. Christian Bezaydenhout, 10,700 back-to-back top fives at a European tour event and a Corn Ferry tour event. My concern with Bez, uh, Christian here, is that uh, he is not very accurate off the tee, which I think can get you into a lot of trouble here at Port Royal. And now, um, not only is he 10,700, which I said I wouldn't mention, but here I am, uh, he's like what? 12 to one to win this golf tournament. Um, The shortest that we have seen him and actually uh, I can pull this up on the Holy grail here. The shortest odds that we have seen from Bez uh, since I've been tracking this, I think is like 30, let's see, 66 to 1 at the 2021 RBC Heritage, and then he was 33 to 1 at the Olympics. Um, if he goes out and wins this golf tournament, which is essentially what you're asking him to do for the price that he is at 11, or at $10,700, if he wins this golf tournament at 12 to 1, I will tip my cap. I will move on to next week. I have no problem with that. I just don't think it's a particularly great uh, skill fit for him either. So that leaves me uh, heavily focused on Mito Pereira. And there is... A heck of a lot to like about the guy. Um, let me flip over to his to his holy grail here. And what you're gonna see is um since he came up at the Rocket Mortgage last year, right? So he gets that three-win promotion on the Corn Ferry tour, doesn't play well on his first start, no surprise there. Since then, in the seven PGA tour events that he has uh that he has played since then, he has gained Draft Kings points in six of them. And in the six that he's gained, he's gained at least 21 Draft Kings points on the field. What does that mean? Well, this is a stat that I kind of want to start leaning into a little bit more. We have strokes gained, obviously, but we're playing a fantasy point game. Um, so strokes gained is your uh your score compared to everyone else's score on that day. Uh Draft Kings points gained or fantasy points gained, same thing. You take the average for the week. If a guy scored higher than that, he gained on the field. If he scored less than that, he lost points to the field. Um, so it's very, very simple. And what it does is it evens out. So we a perfect example was back to back weeks at the CJ Cup and the Zozo Championship. I think Sebastian Munoz scored like 96 and a half Draft Kings points at both of those events. At the CJ Cup, he lost fantasy points to the field because it was such a uh, crazy, ridiculously high-scoring event, and he was one of the top scorers at the Zozo Championship. So 96 fantasy points can mean a lot in one situation and very little in another situation. So using this fantasy points gained or this DK points gained column um, that I have on the tools, uh, it's something I want to lean more and more into. Uh, so not only does Mito get the the value nod, um, the fact that he has been uh, one of the better ball strikers on the PGA Tour since he has come up, that is going to travel everywhere. The other thing is, um, last year, uh, actually, I'm not going to say that's that because I'm going to fact check it real quick. I'm not sure it's true. Uh, but look at his ball striking numbers, just gaining a ton of strokes on a Approach seemingly every single week. When you get to Bermuda, and what can happen here is you can get a lot of wind, obviously, they're right on the ocean. You can get gusts. That when you start getting windy conditions, and I I don't necessarily want to have the wind conversation, the, the solid ball strikers are the ones that thrive. So not only do you get a guy who's playing well, who's providing a lot of fantasy value, who's a great ball striker, but he's also a winner. Right, four times in f- his last forty-two starts, all of them have come on the Corn Fairy Tour. But I don't really care, right? I mean, we have Hayden Buckley, we have guys who are in this field that th- this is this is kind of like a Corn Fairy Tour event. Um, so I would not be at all surprised to see Mito Pereira play uh, a win here, uh, get his first PGA Tour victory, and that's probably where I'm going to be spending the vast majority of my money at ten thousand dollars or ten thousand five hundred. The other guy is Seamus Power. Um, Seamus is. A really interesting and I think uh, type of golfer that that most people just don't realize how good he's been. So, so if you're trying to pivot off of Mito, switching over to Sheamus is, to me, very, very valuable. Let me show you a couple of reasons why. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the Holy Grail here. I'm on the stats tab and I'm actually going to remove the filter that says just just the Bermuda Championship field. So I'm opening this up, opening this up to everyone on the PGA Tour. I'm going to go with the last 50 rounds and I'm just going to go strokes gained total. That is essentially saying who have the best players on the PGA Tour have been in the last 50 rounds for all of them. And it's a who's who of the best players in the world, as it should be. It's John Rahm, it's Sam Burns, it's Abraham answer Colin Morikawa, Cam Smith, Louis Eustace, and Rory McIlroy. You get it, right? That's that's the list of golfers that we have here. Seamus Powers 12th on this list. 12th. 12th. In the last 50 rounds, Seamus Power has been the 12th best player on the PGA Tour. Um, the other interesting thing about that is of the 12, he is one of, I believe, five golfers uh, by my count, maybe six, that are hitting at least 62% of their fairways. Again, that is going to be a really important feature for this week. How else does he do it? Ball striking. Very good approach player. When, he, um, when I watched him out here in Vegas at the Corn Ferry Tour event, Paiute, The wind howls there. He was just ball striking the heck out of it. The guy hit such a solid golf ball. If we get that same situation in Bermuda again, um, not going to be an issue for Seamus. So to me, uh, when you consider price, when you consider skill set, when you consider form, when you consider everything, uh, the two clear-cut guys in the $10,000 range for me are Mito Pereira and Seamus Power. The $9,000 range. Uh, again, this is where we've got to swallow our pride a little bit. Do we want to spend 9400 on Adam Hadwin or 9300 on Danny Willett? Hayden Buckley's here. Um, and... A lot of people aren't going to know who Hayden Buckley is and and probably not want to pay $9,900 for him. And we have only small history of him coming up from the Corn Fairy Tour uh, and then uh, obviously his strokes gain metrics here on the PGA Tour. And he missed the cut at the Fortinet to start his season. And then he went back-to-back top tens at both the Sanderson Farms and the Shriners. And look at how he did it, right? Gaining a bunch of strokes off the tee, a bunch of strokes on approach. That's a really good sign. Um, I do worry what his putter is. Uh, right, that's a question I don't think we have an answer for yet. I have 20 rounds on him, eight of them, he's been an absolutely unbelievable putter. The other four, he's been pretty horrible, right? So, we're gonna find out what Hayden Buckley is. If you want to take a little bit of a flyer on him, I don't think he is um, maybe as uh, solid or consistent or safe as as maybe others in the industry might might think that he is but I do think he is uh, a decent flyer. The other one that popped up on the uh on the course fit tool was Patrick Rogers. So let's do a little bit of a deep dive on Patrick Rogers because that's not a name that we've spent a lot of time talking about over the last couple of decades. I don't know, months, I don't know, years maybe. So so here's what we've got. Um the the summer for Patrick Rogers was very Patrick Rogers-esque, right? So he goes from Palmetto to Barbasol where he's just a great driver of the golf ball, uh, no problem there, but he's losing seven strokes butting and two strokes butting and three and two again. Um, And even when he gains six and a half at the U.S. Open, it only turns itself into a T31, but he kind of puts an exclamation point on all of it with a T5 at the Barbasol. That's the event that Seamus Power won. That's where he put it together. He was Driving it uh, well as he normally does, and then he and then he putted the lights out. Uh, similar kind of style of what he did at the Fortinet. Puts it well, chips it well, hits it okay. Doesn't really hit his approaches all that well, but finishes T six at the Fortinet, and he snuck a couple of Corn Ferry Tour events in there. So he's been playing basically nonstop. Right, he didn't take any any time off uh, into this season, and he is uh, to me the type of skill set golfer that can get hot. Right, you're going to see a lot of T sixes. You're going to see a lot of missed cuts, and I think that is certainly possible this week, especially for, um, you know, nine thousand dollars for for Patrick Rogers is a little bit of a scary price to to kind of throw into your lineup, but I think that he could be. You know what we would call a slate breaker, right? Someone who, if he finishes T three, uh, a lot of people might have just opted to go down to to Guido at eighty seven hundred or paid up for uh, Ramy or Buckley. And I just think Rogers kind of gets overlooked here, so he might be a guy. And we'll see during the Wednesday live chat um, how that all how that all shakes out. The other one is uh, Taylor Pendrith. So Pendrith again, I want to pull up his. Numbers here because he has been someone that has been so highly regarded um, for a long time, and there's a good reason because he's a great driver of the golf ball. I mean, he has only lost uh, strokes off the tee once in the in the uh, twelve or excuse me, yeah. Well, I, they're not all measured. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Once he's only lost once off the tee in the eight measured tournaments that he has on the PGA Tour. The problem is this: he has lost strokes on approach in seven of eight. That's that's rare. Usually guys that can hit it well off the tee, usually guys that are good ball strikers with the driver or the three-wood can get it done with the rest of their long clubs we're not seeing that. So this to me, um I'm going to take a more cautious approach on Taylor Pendrith. I know in this range he's going to garner a lot of attention because of the names that are around him and nobody's really excited to play anybody, but I'm going to take a more wait and see approach on Pendrith. I'm very very bullish on him um moving forward, but I think I I think for this week I'm I'm just going to I'm just going to hang tight. I mentioned the live chat on wednesday so that's uh wednesday 3 p.m eastern time that will be the live chat all your questions answers ownership there is uh another live chat on wednesday evening that's 8 15 p.m eastern time that's the jock market power hour that's stock market dfs tons of people are making money over there you can buy and sell shares of golfers you can you can short them it's kind of an in-game type of thing it's it's um it's pretty great. And then there will be a cut sweat show this Friday uh, time TBD. It'll probably be like, I don't know, 6 p.m. Eastern. Don't quote me on that. There'll be a link in the description. It'll, it'll be on you know the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Uh, I'll try to time it for uh, the sweatiest of cuts. So that'll be fun. It's a data-driven cut sweat show. I haven't had it in a couple of weeks because we haven't had a cut show in a couple of weeks. So it'll be a good time. The $8,000 range is one I find that uh, is absolutely fascinating. You've got young guys trying to break through, guys that we see mostly on the Corn Fairy Tour. We've got some more established PGA Tour pros, and we're trying to juggle between... Which ones we should be rostering, which ones we should be forgetting about. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a couple of different tools here to kind of see what we can find. So first off, I'm gonna go to the Holy Grail. I'm going to um, get Taylor Pendrith out of here. I'm gonna open this up to courses that are seven thousand yards or shorter. Remember, very very short course here. That is probably the most unique feature of. Port Royal is that it's short and that accuracy really uh, reigns supreme. So I'm just going to sort by strokes gain total. This goes back to the start of 2010. So over a decade's worth for almost every single golfer in the field, it's probably their entire career. And I'm just going to look for golfers that are in the $8,000 range. Well, Guido's number one, but he only has four rounds. He's $8,700. That is the T13 that he had at the Travelers Championship, only those four rounds. The next guy in the $8,000 range, It's Denny McCarthy, uh, which kind of makes sense, right? Denny's not going to blow you away off the tee, and especially with distance, but sometimes he can win these, or maybe not win, but play well in these events that are shorter. He hits shorter clubs into greens. He gets to focus on the putter a bit more. So Denny McCarthy gaining about a half a stroke per round on courses that are 7,000 yards or shorter. There's really not that many $8,000 golfers here. Steven Yeager is next. He only has 19 rounds because he just uh, obviously just earned his tour card coming up from the Corn Ferry last year, but all of his rounds are from 2019 and previous, so I don't even know how much you want to dive into this for Steven Yeager. His last round... um, in a, on a course that is 7,000 yards or shorter would have been June 20th, uh, of 2019. So I'm not sure we even want to go there. And then Scott Stallings, uh, actually, Scott Stallings is one of the best um, uh, kind of, you know, se- or he's played the most rounds, excuse me, of guys that are kind of in this price range are of uh, on courses that are 7,000 yards or shorter. And again, you kind of look at some of his results. T26 at Bermuda, T6 at the Travelers, third at Pebble Beach, seventh at Pebble Beach, third at Barbasol. So it's really not just one course that's really driving a lot of this, which is good to see. Uh, So Scott Stallings can really lean into – the ball striking can lean into uh, hopefully finding a good putting week and these courses are not certainly going to overpower him. That's one way to do this. The other way I want to do this is I want to go to, um, I want to go to, I'm going to stay on the Holy Grail and I want to go to stats and I want to load in just this field and I want to go, I want to go really recent here. I want to go 12 rounds because what I'm, what I'm trying to find are. Golfers that are playing really well right now. And this is important because a lot of the guys that are coming up from the Corn Ferry or, or I mean, they're, they're PGA Tour pros now. Guys who played last year on the Corn Ferry Tour, they might only have 12 rounds, right? They might have played three, maybe four. They probably wouldn't have played four events because they probably didn't play CJ Cup. They probably didn't play Zozo. So you probably have like three events. Uh, Fortinet, Sanderson, Shriner. So 12 rounds. That's what I'm going with here. Kind of giving a level playing field and looking for guys in the $8,000 range. First one, Sahith. Sahith Tagala, he's back. Um, The putter is scary. The fact that he only hits 54% of his fairways is scary, but he's here. David Lipsky would be the next guy in the $8,000 range. Um, He is scary for a lot of other reasons. Uh, He actually does hit a lot of fairways. His approach game is not as strong. But again, this is only 12 rounds, so there is a little bit of of, of stuff that we, we can work with here. But really... This AK range might be a dead zone. Notice how many golfers in the $7,000 range are showing up before we find golfers in the $8,000 range. So uh, to me, this is more of a flyer range. I think Stallings is somewhat interesting. I think that um, Jaeger is kind of interesting. I think that Lipsky is kind of interesting. Garrick Higo, believe it or not, he's been bad, right? He's just been objectively bad. Is he, is he the most overpriced golfer in this slate? Which I'm sure is... Uh, I'm certain that's not going to come back to to bite me here. Um, but let's look up Higo and make sure that I have all my other filters cleared out of here. Because I just want to see all of what Higo's been up to. And yeah, here was the win. So the win at, at, at Palmetto. Uh, after that, I mean, he's a losing player, right? I mean, almost significantly. So that would have been... So if I go June 20th... So 620 2021. Higo's losing a stroke per round since his win. It's horrendous. It has to, it's probably the worst in the field. I, let's okay, I'm I'm deep down this this Higo rabbit hole now. So, um wow, there's a lot of there's a lot of bad players in this field. Uh okay, so here's Higo. He has yes, since his win, uh no golfer with as many rounds as him has lost as many strokes per round as him, if that makes sense. Martin Martin Trainer, Michael Kim, uh, both have struggled. They have five fewer rounds than Higo. But wow, flipping a switch since the victory in the wrong direction. $7,000 range. Fascinating. I find this to be the most interesting of ranges because right at the top you have Mark Hubbard. Uh, if you go to... This is the Trends tool, um, which is a tool I should show more often. It's one that I really, really like. There is a section called Breakout Candidates, which essentially says who's hitting it well from T to green and putting below their own personal baseline, calling it unlucky. And... One of the um, guys that looks to, uh, prime to break out would be Mark Hubbard, uh, along with Mito Pereira and Kramer Hickok and David Lipsky and da- Dan, uh, Dylan Wu. Those are probably the top five that are, are breakout candidates, meaning if they just put to their own personal average, some of these guys are better putters than others, um, then they would see a, a, uh, a significant progression. So that's that's where this, this $7,000 range starts. It also includes Russell Knox, which um, a lot of different ways you slice this Russell Knox is, is going to show up. Unfortunately, his recent form uh, hasn't been as good as I would like to see it, but Russell Knox on uh, courses that are 7,000 yards or shorter, Russell Knox on courses that are um, uh, maybe fairway finders, Russell Knox at this course specifically, right? Finished 16th and 11th in the last two years. And if you go and look at you know his profile page, um, and you can see maybe I'm giving a spoiler of where we might be going next here. Russell Knox, um, it, it, he's just he's just unbelievable with his irons and his wedges. I mean just gaining strokes consistently week in and week out. The putter is uh, a mystery seemingly to us and to him. He's just as likely to gain two and a half as he is to lose five. Um, but again, if this turns into a windy kind of windy conditions, and ball strikers prevail, Knox is here. The other one would be, uh, and you saw it, I already had him loaded up, Matthew Neesmith. Similar situation. Um, Great ball striker. In fact, one of the better approach players on tour. We talked about that last week, I believe. And a very, very poor putter putted better at the Shriners. We don't have the breakdown information from the Zozo championship, but that's okay. We can probably assume that he lost. Um, and Bermuda greens, which is what we have, uh, this week, believe it or not in Bermuda is, uh, it's not his worst surface, right? I mean, he's still a small loser on it, but he's much worse on bent and POA combination. So if we can get a zero putting week out of Matthew Neesmith, uh, maybe he can, maybe he can contend this week, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of other names that I, that I might be interested in here. You know. Hank Lee Biota unfortunately um has not been the same golfer that we saw when he was piling up top 10s. He has a third place finish and a 16th place finish here if you're kind of deaf, desperate. Even Kiradat at Barnrat, if you're looking at his PGA Tour results, um they're not going to look as good as his kind of worldwide golf results, right? Because he had that really good finish on the on the European Tour a couple of weeks ago. He finished 11th here last year. So there's there's just there's just some interesting names um and Brian Stewart, who we already talked about, is here as well. Brian Stewart's $7,100. He's missed, what, four cuts in a row. But if there was ever a place to play, Brian Stewart, it's it's where you get rewarded for fairways. You don't have to be long. Uh, that's that's the name of the game for old Brian Stewart. The $6,000 range is massive, and it is constantly changing. Um, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention on Twitter, but the uh, the withdrawals are coming hot and heavy here. Um a lot of guys getting, you know, maybe issues getting to Bermuda. But, like, we've had, like, 11 field changes already. There's been withdrawals. There are some guys listed in here that have already withdrawn. So this is going to constantly change uh, for the next day or two. So keep keep an eye out for it. couple of notables. Uh, Michael Gligic, who finished 11th here last year, I think is better than a lot of his peers in this price range. Um, I will also point out Dylan Wu. If you remember back to the course key stats Uh, tool. He was one of the guys that got the, uh, one of the biggest boosts here. I believe, let me just double check that. Um, course fits. I think I did 50 rounds previously. Maybe not. Where did Dylan Wu pop up? Oh, Uh, breakout candidates. My bad. That's what I was thinking of. That's where, that's where Dylan Wu popped up. Not the course fit, um, breakout candidates. So he would be a name. Uh, so The bottom of this, you know, most weeks I'm kind of a Stars and scrubsy, scrubsy kind of guy, and uh, there are obviously going to be a lot of these guys that make the cut. I don't, just because of how the numbers have to work out, I don't know if this is necessarily a great week for Stars and Scrubs, because these guys, and a lot of these guys, um, have no chance of winning this golf tournament. I mean, no offense to Olin Brown, Um I thought he retired. No, so I'm sorry. Like, I, I don't know. Like he's, I think he's old. Let me check. He's 62 years old. I mean, I wasn't kidding. Um, so I think you have to be really careful here. If you're going to play someone in the $6,000 range, I think you've got to see any signs of life. Even Two Gloves Tommy, he's still playing on the Corn Fairy. He's still out there compete, competing. Brett uh, Druitt. Uh, again, out there competing. Some of these guys are teeing it up for the first time in who the heck knows how long, right? And how long they've been competitive. So you have to be really, really careful here in the $6,000 range. And that's certainly a tier that we can cover uh, a lot on the Wednesday live show because I don't think you want to go too low here. 6,500 might be, or 64 might be the lowest I want to go. Let's make a model. I'm gonna get you out of here. Um, here's where I'm at. Custom model, Let's just go really recent, 12 rounds. I think I think that's going to help us level the playing field a little bit with um, the KFT guys, with some of the guys who are more frequent players on the PGA Tour. So let's go 12 rounds. Um, we've got to put a heavy emphasis on accuracy, right? We've got to go 35 on accuracy and 15 on distance. So we have really weighed a lot of off the tee, a lot. Uh, and then we're also going to put 25 on approach. We got to go a lot. That leaves us with 75, or excuse me, with 25, birdie or better. Like, that's that's got to be the path here. We're talking about fantasy scoring. We're talking about playing out of the fairway. We're getting ball strikers in case this thing turns into a windy mess. Um, I think this is the path we have to go, and the good news is you can run whatever model that you want. So, uh, my number one golfer is... <laughs> <laughs> Mito Pereira. Come on. Of course it is. I'm just going to bet the mortgage on this guy. Austin Eckro is number two. Interesting. Again, when you go really, really short like this, you're going to get some names that we're going to have to do homework on. Austin Eckroat is number two for me. Chad Ramey is number three. He's played well recently to start the year. Davis Riley, four. Hayden Buckley, five. Okay, let me stop there. Pereira, Ekra, Ramey, Riley, Buckley. How many of those golfers uh, could your dad name? The answer is none. And I think that's good, right? Like here we are uh, in a week where research and data and knowing these golfers better than everybody else is valuable. And we're seeing it right here uh, in the model that I ran. The rest of my top 10, Bo Hogue. Seth Reeves, Adam Hadwin, Lee Hodges, and Seamus Power. I've got homework to do, but that is my first run at this custom model. Oh, I think Oliver's about to bark. He was good for so long. i uh, He's not. Um, so, yeah, this is going to be fun. Lots of research to do. Lots of content coming the rest of the way. But for now... Go ahead, subscribe to rickrungood.com. Don't be afraid. Uh, You can tweet me, at rickrungood. You can leave a comment below. And uh, go pet your dogs. I'm going to go pet Oliver. See ya.